Hello and welcome to my podcast. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the political and military history of Portugal between the years of 1492 and 1661. I figured that it would be very important for us to bring up the topic of the Portuguese Empire because it's a very, very significant period of history that influenced a lot of what we're going to be discussing that occurs over these next nearly 200 years. It's also what is responsible largely for the discovery of the Americas, because what ended up happening was the Portuguese had dominated the seas to get to India, and Spain wanted a way to trade with India, but they had to get past the Portuguese-dominated seas. So what they would ha what they decided to do was sail the opposite direction of where the Portuguese were going to basically go a, a to basically find a way to India without uh, getting in the way of without the Portuguese getting in the way. But what they ended up finding out was that there's something, i.e. a giant continent or two, that's standing directly between Europe and India, and that is what we now know as the Americas. Upon discovering the Americas, it had initially been thought that this was India, but soon, within 10 or so years, was found out to not actually be India, but rather a brand new continent, which would become known as the Americas. In order to prevent conflict for, from arising between Spain and Portugal, the, there was a treaty known as the Treaty of Tordesillas, which was basically a, when a pope drew a line straight down the Americas and said on the left side of this line, or the, more, the western side of that line, the Spanish can have the colonies, and on the eastern side, the Portuguese can, have the, can establish colonies there. As so basically that gave the Portuguese Brazil. With this treaty in place, the Spanish were no longer so interested in India because they had access to vast abundances of, of gold and silver in the Americas, thus meaning that the Portuguese would remain more or less dominant in the Indian Ocean and trading with India for the decades to come. Now, you might be wondering what the significance of India is, why India was such a special nation for, these, for the European nations to establish colonies or trading posts with, and that's because they produced vast abundances of spices, which were highly, highly valuable at the time. While these spices were making their way to Europe for decades or even centuries prior to their, uh, prior to colonization, the the main problem was that these, these were reaching Europe through the Ottomans, which meant that there was a person in the middle who was making profits off of selling these spices to Europe. So they figured if they could get it firsthand and bring it, the spices back to Europe themselves, they could make more profit and have these spices for a lot cheaper than if they were to trade with the Ottomans. As you can imagine, the Ottomans were not pleased at all with this. They were going to lose a large source of their wealth and thus had to take action once the Portuguese started establishing factories, which are trading posts that operate as warehouses, trading posts, and points of navigation to other countries uh, all across the Indian Ocean. 
This is why the Portuguese Empire, despite not its size, was actually very powerful, was because of these factory posts that were set up in very strategic and important locations. So, the, back onto the Ottomans, though, they were not happy, and thus the Portuguese had a large number of conflicts with the Ottomans. One of the first conflicts that arised was the Battle of Ziu. This technically wasn't a direct battle between the two nations, but rather it was a battle between Portugal and one of the many states of India, which had support from the Ottomans, because obviously the Ottomans didn't want to have competition for trade. So on the 3rd of February 1509, the Battle of Ziu occurred, and this was a complete annihilation by the Portuguese. And this is perhaps one of the most important naval battles, as it pretty much paved the history of European dominance in the Indian Ocean for the next several centuries. Being the victors at the Battle of Ziu, the Portuguese now had the opportunity to establish many factories in India, and thus send vast amounts of goods back to Portugal, and this greatly improved the prosperity of the nation, as they now had many, many goods to exchange with, their, with all of Europe. However, the conflicts with the Ottomans did not come to an end after Ziu, as there were many instances of naval and land battles and sieges too between the new nations over the, cent over the following century the majority of which ended with a Portuguese victory, and thus further establishing their dominance. In truth, if you ask me, I don't think that between the Ottomans and Portuguese that peace could ever have really been an option, because these two nations were in direct conflict over an economic, er, goods that would boost each other's economy, and thus if they lost, thus it would, they would create a monopoly between them if they were to split India in half per se or split the goods in half it would create a monopoly which would then further degrade the value of many of the goods that they managed to acquire so ultimately I think that in the end there could only have been one winner and really no compromise made between the two for the next several decades, the Portuguese kept up with the same shtick of just colonizing and creating more factories in India and Indonesia, and that is up until the year 1580. In that year, we the Portuguese had a great crisis as King Henry I had just passed away. However, he did not have an heir to the throne, thus leaving a power vacuum in this absolute monarchy nation. And as you can imagine, it did not go down well. But to look at how this had happened, we have to go back two years before to 1578 at the Battle of Alcacer Quibir, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly, where the King Sebastian I had passed away However, many people don't think he passed away. They think that he's hidden away in a mountain and going to return one foggy day, which uh, I don't know how many people still have their fingers crossed over that event, but I wouldn't keep my hopes too high. 
but king sebastian at the time of his death was 24 years old which means in due time he could have had enough he could have eventually reproduced and had children to give to have an heir to the throne unfortunately that did not happen and he left it to his great uncle henry the 1st king henry who would eventually become king henry the 1st but Henry I didn't have any children and thus didn't leave an heir to the throne. So upon dying, there was a power vacuum and many, many people had claim, uh, claimed the right to become king of Portugal. This event was all complicated. We had many people trying to get to the throne and this would have been solved in due time. With ha and would have had a Portuguese king or queen at some point, had it not been for the Spanish. King Philip II of Spain, looking at Portugal and the power vacuum there, he decided, I want that thing. So he even launched the War of Portuguese Succession and, took, and eventually was successful and took the throne of Portugal, becoming King Philip I of Portugal and thus created a personal union between the two nations, which is, to put it simply, when two completely separate countries, i.e. they have their own they have their own laws and they're legally not the same country, have the same monarchy in place. The Portuguese put up a fight that lasted about three years before eventually they had to give up. And the last part of the country to accept this was the Azores, them being the most isolated part of, the, of Portugal, because they're literally in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And thus, in that, with the victory of the, Portuguese, the War of Portuguese Succession, the Spanish set up the Iberian Union, which meant that for the next 60 years, Portugal would, be, would have the Spanish monarch, up until these Portuguese said enough is enough, and they started up the Portuguese War of Resuccession. However, before we get onto that topic, we have to look at what caused them to start up this war, because wars don't just happen, there has to be something that starts it. One of the biggest causes for the War of P Portuguese Restoration was the fact that the Dutch had been taking a lot of territories and ports and factories away from the Portuguese Empire, which the Spanish monarchy was doing very little to protect. As you can imagine, if you're losing a bunch of these ports and colonies, which is basically what's keeping your economy afloat, you're not going to be in a very good situation. So this angered many of the Portuguese. This whole conflict, officially known as the Dutch-Portuguese War, but I'll be calling it by its nickname, the Spice War, lasted from 1602 to about 1662, during which the Dutch initially saw great amounts of success taking colonies, and thus, and up until 16 about the 1630s there that's when things began to go downhill within portugal and that's what which caused them to begin the war of portuguese restoration the spanish government more specifically the monarchy 
had begun implementing unfair taxes on the Portuguese, giving them less representation in their government, and it also paid less attention to the Portuguese colonies, which were quickly being taken away by the Dutch. Worst of all for the Portuguese, the Spanish were intending on making Portugal become a Spanish, col uh, Spanish province, i.e. Portugal would lose its status as an actual country and thus be under Spanish uh, laws and the Spanish constitution. The Portuguese nobles recognized this as a threat to their power. Had Portu Once Portugal became a Spanish province, they would lose their status and their power, and thus they knew immediate action had to take place. Thus the nobles began the Portuguese Revolution of 1640, which, which re-established a Portuguese citizen, or more specifically a Portuguese noble, to the throne. When this had occurred, the English, who, had actually, who were also participating in the Spice Wars, but to helping the Dutch, recognized their long-lasting Treaty of Windsor, established way back in 1373, which in fact is still intact to this very day, and withdrew from the war, recognizing Portugal as one of their biggest maritime and naval allies. But back in Portugal, this revolution would not represent the end of conflicts with Spain, as for the next 20 years, there would be, conflict, there would be military involvement, uh, conflicts between the two nations, eventually ending with the Treaty of Lisbon in 1668, which officially ended the Iberian Union and officially brought peace between these two nations. Despite finally gaining independence from Spain, Portugal, the Portuguese Empire never got back onto its feet. In 1660, the Portuguese officially brought, uh, declared peace with the Dutch and agreed to basically allow them to keep whatever they had taken from the Portuguese. The Portuguese Empire would eventually come to decline in 1999 when they transferred Macau to China. And that is all for the podcast today on Portuguese history. Uh, as you can see, the Portuguese Empire did start out as a magnificent and highly powerful empire that brought wealth and fortune to the Portuguese people. However, following several wars and crises, the this all came to an unfortunate end for them.